The difference between $1 and $1 trillion is 16 keystrokes at this point. Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora. The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Hey everyone, it's Regina with the Off-Grid Outpost podcast. Today is July 17th, and I am here with Cyrus. Good morning. And we are talking about economics, which is a big, scary topic. Yeah. Boring for a lot of people, too. Yep. It's pretty boring, but as of lately, it has been very dramatic, and (laughs) I would say that this is probably the least boring time in economics, probably in the history of mankind. I think that's probably right. It's certainly something that people need to pay attention to, even if they don't want to. Yeah, I agree. Um, so basically, I think the summary is is that the Fed has gone completely crazy. What do you think? Yeah, they've gone off the rails for sure. I don't think there's any stopping them anymore i think we there was a time when we could have pulled the reins on what they were doing and solved a few problems i think now it's i think it's done yeah i don't think there's any pulling them back anymore i think that the country's become so addicted to free money that uh you know i don't think we can wean ourselves off of it anymore yeah i think we've gone beyond um saving as far as our monetary system goes And now with the current health crisis we're having and the massive shutdowns all over America, it's, it's just not looking good out there. It's not looking good yet. Despite all of this, the stock markets are reaching new highs, which is mind blowing. They're just creating new money all the time. It's just a false sense of, uh, good times that's mm-hmm. uh and that that's just a house of cards you know everybody thinks that the economy is still doing okay but it's just because the government is just shoveling money into a hole they're printing us into oblivion yeah except they're not even printing so basically the difference between one dollar and one trillion dollars is 16 keystrokes at this point that's right so it literally takes 10 seconds to print or digitally type in, you know, a trillion dollars, 16 to, zeros. Yeah, to create it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it um, boils down to, you know, the Keynesian monetary system. It's just, it's destined to fail. You know, we're not in an open free market like they tout we are at all. No, not even close. Not at all. And when people talk about, uh, especially in politics, like say, for example, right now, uh, Biden is promising all kinds of free goodies to everybody, Mm. which sounds great. And then uh, people will say, well, how are you going to pay for it? 
which seems like a silly question to me because they're, they're going to pay for it like they pay for everything else. They're just going to inflate the money supply. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have to tax you anymore. They just, you know, like um, President Trump ran on the platform of lowering taxes, lowering income taxes, which he did. He did lower mm-hmm. income taxes, but he inflated the money supply. So he just taxed you in a way that you didn't you didn't see it. But it's a it's a higher tax than if you'd have just kept the same income tax and not let him inflate the money supply, you'd have been better off. But people don't see the inflation as a tax. Well, that's what I was just about to ask you is like, what do you mean inflation is a tax? Like, can you explain that further? Sure. Yeah, OK, so um, there we have a market and this market has so many dollars in it and so many goods within the market, okay? Inflation is when you just expand the money supply. You create more money, but you don't create any more goods. So mm-hmm. um, let's say there are $100 in this market and there are 100 apples in this market. Well, how much is an apple going to cost? It's probably going to cost a dollar or less mm-hmm. because of the money supply supply and demand, it's just going to dictate that. Let's say we print 500 more dollars, or for math sakes, let's say we print 900 more dollars. So now we've got a thousand dollars, but we still only have a hundred apples. So how much is that apple going to cost now? Yeah. It's going to cost a hundred dollars. So the apple Hmm. costs more than it did even though it's still just an apple. It's the same apple, but now it costs more because the infl- because of inflation. Prices go up with inflation. And what that does, so a president gives an income tax break to uh, middle-income middle income earners and above, but the inflationary tax that people don't see really hurts low-income families more than anyone else because yes a wealthy person has a bunch of money they can they can buy a hundred dollar apple it's not that big a deal you know it hurts them but yeah but they can do it but now the poor income family uh they can't even buy an apple anymore so it's basically like a human tax yeah inflation is a human tax well i mean it's just instead of just taking your money They've devalued your money. Your money has less purchasing power because what they did with that money is the same thing they would have done had they taxed you for it. Mm -hmm. So when they print more money, now they're going to bail out the banks or they're going to bail out whoever, or they're going to send stimulus checks, or they're going to help hospitals, or they're going to hire new police. It doesn't matter what they do with the money that they print. It's the same thing they would have done had they taxed you. That, but yeah. this time they just printed the money to do it. So. And there's no, there's nobody saying stop printing money, government. And I mean, there's people saying it, but they're not stopping. Whereas if they increase our taxes, we have this huge outcry and there's all kinds of political red tape to go through. Yeah. However, they're just printing us into oblivion and we don't even see it yet. We're getting. Our money devalued, which is a huge tax, which could be anywhere from 20% to 50% to 100% to 1,000%. I mean, it's like the devaluing could be to infinity. 
yet we're getting paid the same wages. So that's messed up. That's really right. messed up. Right. It's just That makes a, me kind of mad. Yeah, it's just a tax that you don't see. And people don't realize it's a tax. And they the reason they do that is because it's easier for them to do that than it is to try and knock on your door and take another 10% of your money. Yeah, which we, you know, massively outrage over. But then they yeah. just print us into oblivion, which is just stealing from us at this point. Yeah, and most of the time we're thankful for it. Like, we don't even realize... Oh, the stock market's doing so great. Yay. You know, but but the only reason the stock market is doing so well is because government is just pouring money into the hole that is the bubble. That's a terrible analogy. It's a huge catch-22. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge catch-22. It's like, here's your $1,200 stimulus check, but we just printed this out of nowhere, which is going to devalue your money that you're working your life away for. So you're paying for it anyways. Right. And so if if I was a proponent of government and I wanted to save government, I would be saying we gotta we gotta take our lumps. You know, we gotta yeah. we gotta stop printing money and it's gonna hurt for a while. The economy's gonna shrink, everything is gonna feel really bad for a while, and then it'll recover and we'll be better off for it. Yeah. You know, but just make the correction now. Just yeah, pull make the, the correction. off. Make the correction now. You know, we'll probably go through a decade or two of suck, but at least we can correct ourselves. But you come out the other Maybe. end in better shape. As the as they're yeah. doing it now, they're just making it worse every time. Every time they print more money, it just the correction that is inevitable is just going to be worse. Yeah, which I'm all as for. The- so I, you know, I'm not for You're government. All for it. So yeah, I'm not for government. So I'm not. I'm not proposing that we save it. I'm proposing that we run it into the ground, which is okay. So just print print the government out of existence. Yeah, keep printing. <laughs> mo- I'm I'm for the government. Keep printing money because it hurts them in the long run. The sad thing is, it hurts people. You know. Yeah. It will the, hurt people when it when it crumbles. And it already is. It's already hurting people. Um, but it's the invisible hand so far until you know it catches up right you know there was no such thing as inflation when the dollar was pegged to gold there was no inflation prices didn't go up for a hundred years i actually read some an article and someone blurbed about how in the 50s that a, a gallon of gas was like two dimes yeah and today the price of silver is worth like, it's still worth two dimes if you evaluate it towards silver. That's right. Yeah. So if we stuck to the uh, metals, that it there'd be literally no inflation. Because to this day, the the weight of silver would pay for a gallon of gas in two dimes. Right. And now we're paying, you know, two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, depending on where you live. Yeah. And so... The reason the government did that is because they couldn't, when when money is tied to a precious metal or when it's tied to anything that's uh, finite, they can't manipulate that money. Well, they can, yeah. but it, it's much more difficult to do. And so when you create a fiat currency, well, now the government can manipulate that money in whichever, however it wants to. Well, and I mean, you, you even look back into... 
the year 2000. And in 20 years, how inflated have prices become since then? Right. You know, I remember purchasing a pound of chicken breast for a dollar consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, back in 2000. Now it's three fifty four, maybe up to 5 depending on what brand you get. So there is a 400X or a 4X, pardon me, a 4X. It's worth four times more than it was. Right. 400% is what I meant. Yeah, that's right. And we can look at, you know, gas. I remember paying, there was a summer I paid 79 cents a gallon back in 2000. Yeah, some of the products are a little bit different because there's other manipulations going on, like gasoline is one where there's, um, you know, you've got people trading on the futures and all that, which I don't fully understand, but that adds a little bit more manipulation. And that's why sometimes gas is going down instead of going up. Things can happen. There's within fluctuations. The in- yeah, things can happen within the industry that cause the price to fluctuate. So gasoline can be a little bit different. But I think we could generally concede that things are way more expensive than they were even 20 years ago. Right. And that's just inflation's sake. That, that's all it is, is inflation. We've printed extra money over that time frame. So it makes everything, the makes the price of everything go up. Yet people are making barely any more dollars than back in 2000. Right. I mean, really, like, you know, right now, people maybe make around 15 bucks an hour working standard, you know, jobs. Yeah. I remember making 15 bucks an hour 20 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Yet our cost of living has probably gone up by 3x or 4x since then. Well, it's just crazy. Here's an interesting, uh, just to give you an idea of what it means to be on a gold standard or off and on a fiat currency. So if you take the generation that supported World War II and the president says, you know, we've all got to sacrifice for this war effort. Now, this was a generation who just came out of the Depression, right? A decade long, brutal time to go through economically. And then World War II happens and these people are buying war bonds and supporting the war effort and uh, they paid tax. You know, most of the people before then, before World War II, most people didn't pay an income tax. There was an income tax, but it was mostly just for really wealthy people. And after, when, when we got into the war, everybody started getting taxed. So this was a generation that they just went through the Depression now they're being taxed when they weren't taxed before and they're buying yes. and they're buying war bonds and mm-hmm. when the war was over they paid all that back and the economy was better than it had ever been interesting and it's because people had actual wealth like their money was worth something yes the money was worth something right so even though they went through all of that stuff people still had the means to get through it because the, there was value in their currency. And now there's just no, there's no value in our currency except for the idea that it has value. That's the only thing that gives it value aside from the That's fact. That's it. The idea. Yeah. 
Ex except for the fact that every other country on the planet has to use the dollar to buy oil, which is a whole nother discussion, but. The petrodollar. Yeah, yeah. the petrodollar. And it's, uh, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around it because you can still go to the store and buy goods and services with the dollar. But the amount of money creation going on right now is, I can't, no human can wrap their mind around it. Uh -uh. And so I just wanted to bring up what we've spent just this year, what they have printed from nothing just this year. And in an article I found, which is dated uh, mid-April, is that the U.S. has thrown more than $6 trillion into the coronavirus crisis. They have printed six trillion dollars just this year just this year okay so we have that we have the repo market situation which are repurchase agreements between asset managers and monetary fund people and hedge funds and the government gives them a loan and they pay back the loan in a short amount of time with a little bit of interest so this repo situation, and I don't quite understand it, but they have been allowed one to two trillion dollars a day to borrow. So the, the Fed is printing one to two trillion dollars per day in repos. Mm. That's just like cycling. It's infinity, basically. They said the repo market is infinity at this point. Well, no wonder the stock market's doing so well. Yes, because they are, the Fed is not allowed to purchase stocks directly. So what they've done is they have set up backdoor systems and loophole systems to indirectly purchase stocks. <laughs> That's crazy. So they can't dip into the market and be like, oh, we're going to buy Apple, we're going to buy this or that, because it's a quote-unquote free market. But we're going to, you know, lend out a couple trillion dollars a day in the repo market so these people can keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing and then they might pay it back at a little higher percentage but then they just continue to borrow so so it's like this never-ending snowball effect of borrowing and paying back borrowing and paying back having to borrow to pay back that's really interesting that's it what's really interesting uh, concept is the the idea that the Federal Reserve buys something. Like, what do they use to buy it? The money that they print? Yes. So. Keystrokes. <laughs> that's a sweet gig. Yeah. Well, and then it gets even more fun because the central bank is now purchasing corporate bonds to keep, quote unquote, money flowing. And they have, I think their limit is $750 billion dollars. That they can purchase, which is like when you say seven hundred and fifty billion after you say six trillion, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, that's not a big deal. <laughs> but we weren't even in. I think in the Bush administration, we weren't even in seven hundred and fifty billion dollars of debt. You know what? Twelve, thirteen years ago, we weren't even in a trillion dollars in debt. Now we're in some ungodly amount. I so now, the Fed is purchasing corporate bonds from Apple. Pfizer, Microsoft. Okay, 
these companies are hitting all-time highs in the stock market. Apple just hit an all-time high, yet the Fed is buying billions of dollars of corporate bonds from these people Mm -hmm. to prop them up to keep them liquid. So it's like, what the hell is going on? This is a big freaking scam. It is the hugest robbery of money in human history, the hugest transfer of wealth, and it's happening right under our noses. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about it. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, sadly, there's only... You can't stop them from doing it. That's why I, that's why I believe in the counter economics because it's your only option to, yeah, to it is. remove yourself from that system and work outside of that system. It's the only thing you can safely do. I mean, you can, you can play inside the system right now. There's no problem, but when it, but you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt bad when it falls apart. Well, or you play the system like some people do. Like, I know Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he works the system to his advantage to not have to pay massive taxes. And he owns a lot of assets and sells and buys. And he, so he's like working the system. Yeah. And, but for the average person, like, that's kind of difficult. So you might as well just work outside the system. Yeah, and I think... Then even try and play in it. I I think we can get into some future episodes about how you can move money, um, earn money within the system, and then move it into uh, cryptocurrencies or precious metals. Um, there's, there's ways even the average person can do it, you know? There is ways, and I'm kind of working on developing systems right now of how to use cryptocurrencies to maneuver money around or out of the system. It's kind of a work in progress. Yeah. But yes, I'd like to really delve into counter-economics, and I think right now, when you start seeing the robbery that's going on of our wealth in huge, vast amounts... It really makes you realize, you know, because I think people are generally good natured and they're like, well, you know, I don't like paying taxes, but I'm going to, you know, I don't like paying sales tax and income tax, but I'm going to, and I'm going to be a good person in the society and work a job and do things in their system. But then you see what they're doing and it's like, how, it's so hard to even want to continue in the system. And the saddest part about all of it is that they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Like, it's not like they're doing it to you accidentally. They have it, they have intentionally bent you over. Oh, they've, <laughs> exactly. They've intentionally bent you over. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yep. Well, and it just makes me wonder what's next. I mean, this is obviously culminating into something massive because they know they're, they, the government, the government's biggest, like, get out of jail free card that they spend all the time is that they're quote unquote dumb. And you hear people say it all the time. Oh, the Fed is dumb. The government is stupid. I can't believe how dumb these people are. Yeah. I'm like, you think they're dumb? No. They're extremely intelligent and they're executing everything exactly how they plan to, playing the dumb card. Yeah, they're just corrupt. They're not dumb. Yeah, exactly. Extremely corrupt and getting away with bloody murder. What gets me a lot of the time is 
everybody agrees with that. Everybody agrees that government is terrible. Government is corrupt. Government is ineffective. Government is all these things. But the moment you mention to them, hey, maybe we should get rid of government, people lose their shit. Like, oh, no, no, no. No, we can't, can't do that. You can't do that. Well, why not? If if they're so terrible, why don't we just give it a shot, you know? And I think it's more so, it, it's not like a, we can't do that because we want the government. It's more so we can't do that because we're too small. We're too small to do anything about it. And I remember watching a Disney movie. I think it's called Ants. Yeah. And the ants were basically the worker bees, and they were having to provide all these food and goods and services to the locusts or the crickets. The, uh, there was the hornets, wasn't it? Wasps or was hornets? Was it hornets? It uh, might have been hornets. No, no, no. Yeah. You're, right. It, you're right. It was grasshoppers, I think. Grasshoppers. It was grasshoppers. So. You're right. So they always felt like, oh, we're too small against these big, mighty grasshoppers. We can't, we can't do anything about it. But then, like, the collective consciousness kicked on, and all the ants, like, banded together and totally destroyed the crickets because they banded together. Right. They united against the crickets, a.k.a. government, and destroyed them. Yeah. But we're in this ant mentality of we're in, we're we're so we're acting so individually now. We're all individualists that they're diversifying us out of uprising, basically. Yeah, and I don't even think it it, it wouldn't even re- require violence. I don't think it's more along the lines of just ignore them. If everybody <laughs> just, I mean, honestly, if everybody just ignored them. There would be nothing they could do about it. Like, even the police. Yeah. If everybody just stopped, if we all just chose one law and everybody just ignored one law, what would happen is the police would stop enforcing that law. Yeah. Because they couldn't enforce it. Because if everybody decided... You basically just choose to stop participating. Yeah. It's like, I'm just not going to participate in this. And it'd be like a basically a a massive nationwide sit-out. Right. Like, for example, here's a good one. This one would be, you know, safe. It wouldn't harm anyone. If everyone took the license tag off of their car. Yeah. If everyone just took it off their car, what what could the police... Yeah. What could the police do about that? If every single person, and we all made a decision... We're just going to take the registration tag off our vehicle and never put one back on. Yeah. there. I mean, there's like 500 million vehicles. Right. There's nothing they could do about it. They would make a show in the beginning. They would make a show and try to deal real harshly with a handful of people. But they would realize very quickly that this is not working. Yeah. I think that's a good point that it could be done with non-aggression. And I think we tend to go... Our minds tend to go the opposite way of like, you know, civil war, revolution, guns, you know, and violent uprisings, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I don't think so. I think there's lots of ways that uh, we could do all kinds of different things in a nonviolent fashion and just and just leave the government out of it. And there would be confrontations at times where the government would try and hold on to its control 
but they would fail if enough people mm-hmm. if enough people participated they would fail yeah that's that's an interesting perspective i like that i like that idea Another way would be cryptocurrency, like you were talking about earlier. If everyone just chose to start using cryptocurrency, there would, I mean, the government couldn't do anything to you for that. They can't shut down the blockchain. Right. And cryptocurrency, it's very interesting. I've been involved in cryptocurrency since 2011, 2012, and I followed it fairly closely, so I have a pretty good long history with it. I I think, you know, so like you were saying earlier, you're just like, I just want to, I think I just need to step aside and like let them print themselves into oblivion because they're printing themselves into, you know, self-destruction at this point. Yeah. Even though it's going to hurt people along the way. So how do you become one of those people that doesn't get hurt? That's where the answers are. And I think we should yeah. do a whole episode or maybe a series of episodes of very specific actions that can be taken to protect yourself for when all this crumbles. Cause it's going to, there yes. was a time, there was a time when I thought this is, you know, this is doomed to fail the way that they, the, the way that the money system works, but I, I'm not going to see it. Like it's not going to happen in, in your my lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. Yep. That's what I've been saying. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not so sure looking at it, especially with the the actions that the government has taken because of the coronavirus. Um, I, I think that could probably be what breaks us. And then you've got, on the other side of the world, you've got China's economy growing by leaps and bounds and China's government encouraging its citizens to buy precious metals They've been, Mm -hmm. they've been holding their currency down for a long time. And I think they're about ready to let their currency climb. And when they do, I I think the dollar is finished. Well, I can't help but go into like tinfoil hat mode. So I think we're going to go there. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're ready for tinfoil hat. I got (laughs) to put it on. Sorry, people. Yeah. I'm not sorry, actually. So sorry, not sorry. But it's going to happen. I'm so sorry. And I have that to I'm go there. Sorry. Yeah. So, all right. Does everyone have their tinfoil hat on? You I have got yours mine. on? Yeah. Okay. So, basically, our monetary system is being intentionally destroyed to instill the new world order, the single world cur- currency, the digital quote unquote dollar, and that this whole thing has been freaking set up because there's no freaking way. There is no way that our government could be printing this much money at this speed and be that stupid to see that it's not going to collapse. They've got a plan. There is a plan, and the plan is the New World Order, globalization. Agenda 2021. And it's 2020, so it's hard to not believe that this is all happenstance. Yeah, well... what do you think? I, I think <laughs> what do you there's, think about all that? I think there's no doubt that governments know that the system they're running right now is not sustainable and they have a plan. And I'm sure it is a digital currency that they're planning. Yes. The, you know, the whole, the, the coin shortage deal um, that's going on right now. So apparently the coin shortage has been caused because... They shut down the mint 
Right. Because of the coronavirus. Again, it all comes back to the coronavirus. The pin to burst the bubble. Right. Because it's not, it's not the shitty management of our economy. It's not the shitty management of the Fed and our money. No, that's not the bubble. That's not, that, they're not popping their own bubble. It's the coronavirus. How convenient. Yeah. Is that? It's really strange how, (laughs) it's really strange how Walmart employees are essential, but meant employees are not that's kind of weird but Hmm. that is kind of weird i didn't think about that (laughs) you would think that might be considered an essential job but i guess not well and speaking of walmart i went to walmart the other day and uh there was only three lanes with money wow so out of i think 15 lanes open only three were open with money so you so they're already they're already taking the money away you had to use a card like, if, if you didn't only. have a debit card, yeah. And wow. And 85% of transactions have gone to debit card. And I remember I used to waitress, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And everybody paid with cash. Yeah. And then there was one particular summer where this flippening happened, where it went from, like, 80% paying cash to, like, 50% paying card. And it's only gone up and up and up from there. Yeah. So it's just funny. Like, why would the mint not be considered an essential part of our economy and nation, but Walmart is? That's a good point. I don't think they're going to get rid of cash right now. I think that might have been just like a dry run. Yep. Just to see what, how things react, how what happens. I mean, we'll see. I, th- I think the money yeah. situation will go back to normal. And I think that was just like a test. Let's see what happens. It could be. And all these could be little soft tests of, you know, stress tests of what people can handle. And yeah. that's it's a little tinfoil hat-like, but my mom has been saying that for a while. She's like, this is just a stress test. These are just little tests to see what we can, what we can manage to accept, you know, in life. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. That's interesting. It's uh, it's very hard to not connect dots right now, especially, I think, for a lot of our audience and ourselves. We've been down the rabbit hole on different conspiracy theories for decades now, you yeah. know, and it's like the conspiracy theories that people kind of talked about in the past 10, 20 years seem to be coming true right now. <laughs> right. So I can't help but tinfoil hat out on some of these things. Yeah. And the the financial side of all of it is just so important. And it's going to be so painful if people are not ready. You know, that's where that's where some of our future episodes are going to really come in handy because we're going to go into some specific things we can all do to protect ourselves well, and we're solution-oriented people, so that was a big thing when I started Maximum Off-Grid, is that I actually started it because there were so many people doomsdaying so freaking hard on everything, but they never provided solutions. I'm like, so what are we supposed to do about this? We're supposed to binge on your content about doomsday, but how are we going to steel ourselves against doomsday? And that's what that's why I started the website to begin with, was kind of to counterbalance 
right. all of the problem, problem, problem. I want to provide some solution. So I think that's a goal of our podcast as well. Right. We know all the questions. Now we need the answers. Yep. So before we move on to like the solutions, I just want to bring up one more thing. Mm-hmm. And so who, who is making the money, right? Like who is making money right now? Who is, who is actually making money? Not as in earning money, but printing money or typing in keystrokes to create money. Who is creating money right now? Uh, well, depends on exactly how you mean that. But the Fed is the one that creates, that makes the keystrokes. And it's the, the Fed doesn't print the actual money, the cash. And neither does the government. That's a private company. So, so is that what you mean? Or do you mean like who's benefiting? That would be the answer that most people would have. So most people would have the answer that the Fed makes the money, right? They create the money. They, but the reality is, is that it's the banks that are creating most of the money. Oh, okay. I, I see. You're, we're, we're in fractional reserve now. Yes. So okay. I just want to quickly gotcha. do a spiel about fractional reserve banking because not surprisingly, not a whole lot of people really know about it, but that is the majority of where our money is coming from is from ra- fractional reserve banking. So how yeah. it works is you have a customer that deposits a thousand dollars of money into the bank. The bank only has to reserve 10% of that thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And they can loan 90% out. So you get $1,000, the bank holds on to 100 and they loan out $900 to the next fellow. So then the next fellow takes that $900, and the bank only has to reserve 10% of that $900, which is already just printed out of existence, or into existence. Right. And then they can loan another $810, another 90% on that 900 And it goes on and on and on. So basically, the banks are creating money out of thin air with fractional reserve banking because they only need to hold on to 10% of the loan. So not even of original money. So you end up loaning out, you know, $5,000 on this original $1,000 deposit. And so on and so forth, and duplicate that by 10, 100, 1,000, a million, 100 million loans. Yeah. They have now created this massive amount of money just in private banks. It's crazy. Right. I've explained it to people in the, in this sense, which kind of brings it home, it brings it a little closer to home when you think of it this way. When you go to the bank to borrow money, say for a car or a house or whatever, it is. That money does not exist until you sign the paperwork. Exactly. It's not even in the bank. They are loaning you. That's crazy. They are loaning you money. They don't even have it. Doesn't even exist until you sign the paperwork. It is the paperwork that creates the money. It was your signature. The only value in that whole transaction is your signature your promise to give money back to them. That's the only thing with value in that whole process. 
unreal. And the paperwork isn't even paper anymore. It's all digital, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> I just have to throw that in. <laughs> so the banks are creating money out of thin air. The government's creating money out of thin air. At what point does this fail? I mean, it just... Ah, uh, it has to fail. And then on top of all of it, on top of all of it, there's these companies, like these little darlings is what I call them, that are getting like over-evaluated by billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So for example, like the if you live in a city, there's like scooters to rent and you like drive these little scooters all throughout the city that you rent. Yeah. And they're like on GPS tracking. Right. One of the scooter companies got valued at like $5 billion. I'm like, at what point does this little scooter company get valued for billions of dollars? And same with like Uber type companies. They're getting all these massive overvaluations and then they can like, so then they sell their company, right? They're like, oh, my company's worth $5 billion. I'm going to sell it to Joe Schmo on, you know up here at the upper echelons. And so now he takes out a loan to buy the $5 billion company, but the loan, the money does not exist. So this five, this $5 billion loan is now paperworked into existence because of fractional reserve banking to buy the scooter company. And then the bank can make a $4.9 billion loan on the $5 billion loan that they just signed. For the $100,000 company. Yeah, with a company that's in, like, gold and silver value is worth, you know, their monetary assets is worth what? Right. That's crazy. It's so crazy. And it just makes you think, like, why are we, like, even adhering to this system right now? Well, I think it's one of the reasons why they don't teach economics in school. Yes. I mean, they give you the very basics of economics so that they know that when you leave high school, you can balance your checks checkbook. But I don't even think they, they don't even teach that. I don't think I had to teach my daughter about credit cards and banking and checkbooks. Yeah. She didn't know anything about that. I taught her all that stuff and I've done very well because she's completely 100% debt free. Oh, she's not taken out any loans any anything you know because i told her i'm like you need to remain solvent please remain solvent because when you take out that credit card when you take out that car loan by the time you're done paying off those loans your money has become so devalued Mm -hmm. because of inflation plus you're paying interest on top of it so you're paying way more than that car is worth so she's, you know, I had to teach her that. So basically the school system is just, it's basically to make worker bees. The school system is designed to make worker bees that are subservient to the system. Yeah, debt's a big deal too. I we wouldn't, It is a big deal. We wouldn't be able to live like we live if we had debt. I mean, what we're yeah, doing I, wouldn't even work if we had debt. And I think that's the biggest switch to the off-grid lifestyle is that you get into a very close to zero debt lifestyle model. Yeah. I mean, we're in a position where if I go a while without earning any money, all we've really got to do is make sure we can eat. Yep. You know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty stable place to be. 
Well, you make fully autonomous, independent systems that don't rely on paying a utility bill or needing to be paying into any debt that you own. So you basically can live for very little. So when you have very little bills, you can make way less money, but actually be in a sense rich because your debt to income ratio and your bill to income ratio is so so much balanced in your favor. Right. So before we move on to our next segment, I just want to quickly like point out, because I was talking about the scooter company that's valued at $5 billion. It's actually a company, it, they're called Bird, and they're valued at $2.5 billion. So I just wanted to make that quick correction. So, Oh my gosh, well then nothing you said makes sense. No, it's all, it's all you know, crazy. <laughs> So Bird, a startup that rents out electric scooters, is being valued at $2.5 billion in a new funding round led by Sequoia Capital. And basically it's because they come out with a better, uh, a longer lasting technology. Their scooters will last longer putting around the city. Wow. $2.5 billion scooter rental company evaluation. D- does that seem a little overvaluated maybe? Yeah. Do you know what comes next now that this scooter company is worth so much money? And mm-hmm. obviously they must be making profits. Now the government mm-hmm. the government is going to have to regulate that industry now cuz they'll need their piece of that oh, pie. Oh, of course. So, so I don't know what kind of regulation exists now, but It'll be more. They'll add regulation to that industry. And that will help Bird. Bird will be for the regulation. Because yes. because well, it will help keep the, his Bird's competitors at bay. Well, and that's a, a lot of what it's all about is these companies just get bought out and bought out by bigger company and bigger company until it kind of like gets kind of gets to the monopoly company. That yeah. is the kingpin company. That now owns all the scooter companies and is evaluated at $50 billion or some ungodly amount. Yeah. But the only way they acquired these smaller companies is through fractional reserve banking and taking out loans that are printed from thin air. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I kind of wanted to move into um, solutions, what we can do as, you know, individuals that are not independently wealthy to possibly circumvent this economic calamity that's going on. And before we get started into that, I do want to say that we are not financial advisors, that this is only for entertainment purposes only. We're talking about what we do personally. Your choices are your choices. I would also like to say that the things we're going to talk about now are going to be kind of uh, general But don't fret, we're going to get very specific in future episodes. These are tactics that need to be embellished upon. I don't know if embellished is the correct word. Well, we will definitely go into great detail, do deep dives on all of these topics, just so that, I mean, so that people get real answers. So, my strategy... Um, against all of this crazy is to diversify. Diversify your money. 
So what I'm personally doing is I have a portion of money in cash, physical cash I can feel and touch. I have a portion of money in the bank. I have a portion of money in physical gold and silver that I can touch and hold and own. I have a portion of money in cryptocurrency, and then I have a portion of money in valuable commodities, namely ammo. And I'd like to possibly explore buying things. It could be anything from cigarettes to coffee. That's my personal strategy. Yeah. Well, my strategy is just a little bit different. We've, um, we've kind of went down the road so that if we can just take care of ourselves, we'll be okay. No matter what, we've learned the skills required to take care of ourselves and have learned skills that will be valuable to other people so that I can barter, trade, earn, whatever with my skill sets. Interesting. So, uh, so you are the asset. I have tried to make myself the asset, right? So what skill sets have you learned that you feel that you could barter or trade with or Uh, earn with? So yesterday, uh, I ran, uh, my steel and made some moonshine. Yeah. Right. Oh, we got to get into that. So I'm excited. (laughs) I mean, that's valuable to people. Alcohol is valuable. It will always be valuable to people. That's huge. That's a huge commodity. And I can, I can replenish my stock all the time. Mm -hmm. Just whenever I run out, I just make some more. Um, the only thing I have to do is be able to find, uh, the ingredients. As long as I can find the ingredients, then I'm okay. Well, and you can also run a service. So let's say, for example, you ran out of ingredients, you were having a hard time, you know, acquiring ingredients. You run a service to where people bring you their ingredient and then you service this ingredient, turn it into moonshine and you get paid for that service. Right. Yeah. Which I, so kinda, either way. Yeah. I kind of do that now. I have a customer who, uh, he doesn't want to give me cash because, uh, well, he, d- he doesn't have much cash, but he does have food stamps. Mm-hmm. So he brings me corn. He brings me sugar, you know, so we just trade. Interesting. Yeah. And then you split the profits in some sort of way. No. Not necessarily 50-50. We we don't split anything. He gets a jar. Ah. He gets a jar of what he wants. But you get more jars for yourself, right? Oh, yeah. I get to make a bunch. So it's a good deal for me. It's a good deal for him because, I mean, in his mind, he didn't... Those food stamps didn't cost him anything. They cost somebody else something. Yeah. And, And he gets what he wants. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's, you know, as far as, you know, commodities having value, you can do, I mean, alcohol's huge. Tobacco's huge. Mm-hmm. Ammunition. Mm-hmm. Coffee's a really good one. Uh, food. Food is huge. Being able to grow food. Seeds. That's another commodity I own. I have acquired a bunch of seeds that I invested into, and I'm selling them, but I'm keeping a good portion for myself. Right. 
So then I plant one plant, and that one plant makes me 10,000 seeds that I can turn around and sell those seeds. So it's a, a renewable uh, commodity source or income source. Right. In fact, my wife showed me a meme yesterday that said growing food is like printing money. Exactly. Although I'd rather call it currency because it's more of a currency as opposed to a money. Um, right. So like food is a currency, you know, and ammo is a currency. Commodities are a currency. Um, what other things could people possibly stock up on or do? Well, I think one of the most important things to start doing is to start learning agorism and to start dealing in gray and black markets. So what is agorism exactly? Uh, so agorism is the, I'm sure there is an official definition somewhere, but it's the conscious effort to work inside gray and black markets for the intentional purpose to deprive the state of money. I like it. A gray market is everything that is not necessarily illegal to do, but the way mm -hmm. that you do it is illegal. So a garage sale. If you have a garage sale and you didn't pay a permit to, to have your garage sale, that's gray market. It's not actually illegal mm -hmm. to have a garage sale, but it, but you didn't get the permit. Right. Or you pay some mm -hmm. kid, you pay some kid $20 to mow your lawn. He doesn't claim the income. That's gray market. Yep. So everybody pretty much acts within the gray market at some point or another. So at that point, everyone is a agorist. But then, the, but then there's the black market, which is doing things that, uh, is specifically prohibited by the state. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that would include, uh, like, for example, me selling moonshine. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of the things that are in the black market are more like things that the government has deemed immoral or bad for you or whatever. So you've got yeah, a, drugs. Yeah, like a yeah. hiring a hitman. Well, no. Selling so that, drugs. Hiring a hitman would actually fall into the red market, which agorists don't Oh, there's a red with. market. Okay, yeah. what is the red market? I didn't know this term. The red market involves violence. Oh, so then sex trafficking, slaves, well, human trafficking, yeah, so, uh, hitmen for hire... Right. That is red market. That's red market, which uh, agorists don't deal in. Oh, yeah. I don't want anything to do with that. Black market is anything that's illegal, but it has to be a consensual act. So prostitution yes. would be fine. Drug mm. Dealing drugs is fine. You know, if I come to you and I want whatever kind of drug I want and you have it and you want to sell it to me, that is a consensual agreement. Mm-hmm. And you can do that on the black web or the deep web. There are um, marketplaces that pop up all the time where you can purchase drugs, you can purchase firearms, and uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of fun things on the deep web. Yeah, and you know, maybe maybe I'm a guy who um, has a CNC machine, and I can I can make you a ghost gun. You know, that's black mm -hmm. market. Yeah. 
but it, not all the stuff has to has to be uh, within the realm of what people consider. You know, a lot of people, ha- yeah, a lot of people have problems with uh, the black market because they want to they want to force their morals on other people, and so be yeah. you know, well, <clears throat> prostitution is immoral; it should be illegal. Well. It, it, if you have a problem with prostitution, then don't participate. Yeah. You know? Well, I think an issue with prostitution is there's just a lot of sex trafficking and exploitation in prostitution. However, for many women, it is a choice, and they're acting independently. For those women, it's consensual on both sides. There's just a lot of exploitation within it. So... Like in Nevada, it's maybe more regulated at certain places, you know, like the Bunny Ranch or whatnot. These are individual women that are trying to get ahead in life, just like we all are. Yeah. But with anything, there's always a dark side and an exploitive side that comes with it. Yeah, but that's not the act of prostitution. Yeah, then you're going into sex trafficking. So technically it is not prostitution in its pure meaning. If some woman wants to pay me for sex and I volunteer for that service, there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing immoral about that, you know. I don't at least in my mind I can't see the immorality of it. Now, if some woman wants to uh through coercion and the threat of violence tell me that I've got to have sex with people so that she can make money. That's not even prostitution anymore. Yeah. And then it's sex trafficking and pimping. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, there's another idea for, uh, for agorism is consensual prostitution. People do it all the time. People do it all the time. Yeah. And a lot of guys, you know, and gals say, you know what? It's way cheaper for me to go this route than to get into a relationship. And it's just easier for them. It's more accessible for them to take care of their primal needs through hiring an escort or a prostitute. Yeah. And going along their merry way. Yeah. It is the oldest profession of mankind, they say. <laughs> That's, that is what they say. Yeah. But I, I think the most useful, the most useful things in agorism are the things that allow you to not give your money to the state. And I think, you know, there are hardcore agorists that say, if you do anything to give money to the state, you're not an agorist. But I I don't agree with that. I think you have to be smart. I think you have to choose your battles and know, Mm -hmm. and know when you can get away with something and when you can't get away with something. Don't be, don't be foolish about it. You know, don't try to do things that are just, you know, if, the, if if it's more likely that you're going to end up in jail than not, then don't do it. You know, find some other yeah. find some other way to keep your money out of the government's hands. I mean, I, I go further than most people, but there's but I still pay my property tax. You know, I'm not letting them come take my property. Heck no, not over hundreds of dollars, you know, as opposed to thousands of dollars of your property value. Yeah. I mean, I, I fight my battles and I used to fight them a lot harder. Um, I've, I've become much more relaxed about my 
about fighting my battles with the government, but you just got to, you got to look at your own life and you've got to see where can I get away with what and get away with it. Do what you, it's a, I look at it as a game. It's a game of cat and mouse, what I can get away with and what they can catch me at. Well, look at what they're getting away with. Yeah. Highway robbery of multi-billions, trillions of dollars. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're getting away with. And you can't tell me that I'm not going to feel bad about making a hundred bucks on the side or a thousand bucks on the side or $10,000 on the side when we see what they're, the, the heinous crimes they're committing against humanity and in a massive scale. You have to understand the difference between what is right and wrong and what is legal and illegal because there are a lot of things that are wrong that are legal. The government makes sure that all the wrong things that they want to do, they make sure it's legal. Exactly. They don't they don't do anything illegal. So don't get confused about what's legal and illegal being the same as what's right and wrong because it's not the same at all. Yeah, this is making me want to like really delve into agorism more and I I have delved into it and I'm actually unemployed right now. Um I got unemployed. I got laid off from the oil and gas pipeline a couple months ago. And so my agorism levels are starting to get higher and higher on the priority list. Right. Yeah, that's excellent. I kind of have a challenge for all of our listeners right now. Awesome. So what I would like for everyone to do is to make some money outside of the system. So I'd say probably the easiest way that someone could do this is they just list something for sale on Facebook marketplace, you know, local marketplace, like you have something laying around and people buy anything. I mean, if you have some nice pots and pans set, if you have some clothes or a pair of shoes or a tool, tools sell really good. Yeah. So you take this item. All right. Take this item, sell it, get the cash. Then I want you to take that cash and go to your local pawn shop and buy Silver coins with that cash. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And now you own silver. That's an awesome idea. So you have just literally transacted your way into owning precious metals, and there is no trail for it. And the government didn't get their cut, except for the tax that you'll pay at the pawn shop. Yes. Which you're not going to sales tax. Which you're not going to get away with unless you can find an individual that has a coin for sale. That would be an even closer step. Ooh, that's a really good idea. And I know that there's I need to look into that more. Um cuz I'm on a metal detecting forum cuz I'm into like treasure hunting and stuff and people like sell their finds. They sell these coins that they're finding. But I'm not entirely sure how they're doing that. I don't know if there's a particular website where you can get in touch with people who buy and sell precious metals and gold and silver like right. person to person but yes if you were to put you know an ad out looking for looking to buy silver coins or looking to buy gold coins and then you can maybe meet with someone individually and not even have to pay sales tax right and or you live in a state with no sales tax like montana <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which most of us don't, because Montana is like barely over a million people. So, <laughs> well, and it sounds it sounds kind of petty to worry about not paying a sales tax or 
finding ways to not give the government their cut. But this, again, is one of those things where, you know, and in this instance, it wouldn't even take everybody. I think if maybe 30% of the population did this and acted intentionally with it, where every decision they were making in their life was, can I do this in a way that subverts the government? Maybe I shouldn't put it that way. Can I do this in a way that starves the government? Um, Mm -hmm. It would be, think of everything that the government does. They They have to tax people to do it. Yeah. And so if you starve them of that tax, they can't, which here's what really confuses me. So this is a little side note to the conversation. The government prints money and it prints money basically from nothing. I mean, it has all these little tricks where they call it bonds and they do all these different things, but it's basically from nothing. So I wonder why they tax repos loans. Yeah. Why do they tax anyone at all? That's a good point. Yeah, because most of their money is coming from money creation anyways. Why are they taxing the crap out of us on top of it? I, I think it's a form of uh, control. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's just a way to hold you down. Slavery. Yeah. Because if if they can just print money, which they can, because it's money's not tied to anything anymore. There's no value in it. They don't have... Why would they tax people? There's no purpose for taxing people except... To give people that mentality that they owe the government. Pretty much, yeah. That's a good point. Which wouldn't be happening if we were on the gold standard because that's actual... They can't print gold out of nothing. So once we lost our, you know, gold reserve as a currency is when this printing has gotten out of hand. So then why are they even taxing us to begin with anymore? Right. Yeah, that is a good question. Maybe there's someone out there that has an answer to that. I would sure like to hear it. Yeah, me too. Um, There's another way you can circumvent taxes that's more in the system, that's more above board. And uh, you could do it by uh, filing like a sole proprietorship. So you start a little business of some sort. And within that business, you basically claim what you're using every day in your taxes. So for example, like I used to run a computer repair business and I don't know, I made 30 or 40 grand a year. Now, if I said I made that all profit, then I'd have to pay probably 30% of that to the government. So I'd lose 30% of my income straight to the government. Well, what I would do is I had so many freaking write-offs that it looks like I made practically zero And I would do that by claiming my cell phone because I used it for my business. I'd do that by claiming a home office because I had a space in my home where I would do my business, so a portion of my rent. I claim my vehicle because I did on-site repairs, my registration, my insurance. I claimed anything that I needed to buy for the business, computers, personal items that could technically be applied to the business. I did, uh, sometimes I would do like little business trips, quote unquote business trips, where I would go out to lunch and eat my fuel, my mileage. Right. And by the time I put all that into my taxes, I'm like, oh, I guess I broke even this year. Right. 
So that's playing more into the system. Well, you know what I would do? Would I, I mean, back years ago, I owned a construction company and I paid taxes and all that. And I was at Lowe's or Home Depot or some lumber yard or hardware store every day, all the time. Yep. And people would drop their receipts, like in the parking lot. Oh, shit. You know? <laughs> and I would pick them up. I'm like, shit, I'm claiming that. You know, it might be a, it might be a receipt for $5,000 worth of lumber or something, you know? Heck yeah. And that's not legal. I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of rule about claiming someone else's receipt. But, you know, I, I, there's there's no compunction in me against trying to uh, get away with whatever I can against the government. Yeah, I don't feel bad for it at all. Yeah, I don't after hear. looking at what they're doing because you know, people are like, well, we pay taxes for schools and police departments and you know, roads and this and that, but you're like you just said a few minutes earlier, they're printing us into oblivion. So why don't they just print all the money for all that too? Yeah, why do they need to take it from us anymore? Yeah, because we're not pegged to the dollar, we're not pegged to gold anymore. So why are they having to tax us 30% up to 40% on our income, then turn around and stick it to us in sales tax? And, you know, it's just like, it's highway robbery. Yeah. So I don't feel the slightest bit bad that, okay, I'm not going to pay my 8% sales tax or I'm going to claim somebody else's receipt that they drop because they can print out $5 trillion to bail out all their buddies at the top. Well, yeah. They can spend $750 billion to purchase uh, corporate bonds from Apple and Pfizer and Microsoft who are having record highs right now. WTH. Mm-hmm. And, and you know all those guys up there they're cheating on their taxes. Oh my god! Yeah, how else would they attain all this I mean, massive wealth? They're they're either cheating on their taxes or they're passing a law that allows them to get away with something. One or the other. Yeah, they make their cheats legal. Well, the government is controlled by corp- corporations through lobbyists, so right, they're going to figure out a way that okay. Uh, we made $10 billion in profit, but we just bought this $5 billion company. So now we took out this $5 billion loan. So that they're, do- they're doing it through loans. They're cheating the system through these loans. Oh, yeah. These mega overinflated bubble loans that the bank is just printing out of nowhere. Yeah, among other things. But yeah, for sure. And purchasing property. So it's like, well, we made $25 billion this year. We need to buy a bunch of, you know, apartment complexes and strip malls and things to to put our money into so we don't get taxed on it. So they're doing it all the time. Sure. I like your idea about selling something and then buying a coin. Yep. That's awesome. Just to start. Yeah, just to start. And scale up from there. It's actually very, very satisfying. So, I have not gotten into buying coins. So, what's the, like, what's that going to cost me if I want to buy a silver coin? Like, the cheapest one. Well, make it as easy for people as you can. I mean, you could, pre-1965 is going to be made out of silver. So, your quarters and your dimes. And 
there's always going to be an overspot price. So what you see, like you look up the price of silver and it's like $18 an ounce right now. But the reality is you're probably going to pay between $22 and $25 an ounce because it's an overspot price. That, that, so that $18 price is the paper price. That's the paper price that is very manipulated, but your overspot price is the real price Gotcha. that you're going to pay. So you can get into coinage anywhere from 10 to $25. And a lot of these places will actually have ingots, you know, so you could buy an ounce of silver at your local pawn shop for probably 22 to 25 I would say, because that's their kind of their retail value. And then you can purchase online and you're going to pay less. And then the more you buy, the less you pay. But then online, you have to be a little careful because your payment can be tracked. Yeah, I like the pawn shop idea. The only thing you're giving away at the pawn shop is your local sales tax. Yeah, and, and you're going to pay a little bit more of a premium as well. Probably, And you yeah. can't get in bulk either, so... But that's okay, because this experiment is just... This is just get your foot in the door. Yeah. One, one simple act that you can do that will show you it's not that hard to start protecting yourself because the time is coming when all the dollars you have in the bank aren't going to be worth much. The idea of buying silver coins, I, I really like that idea because now not only do you have a precious metal, but it's in coin form. Like you could use it later. Oh, yes. It's in a fraction of an ounce that is spendable. Right. So if you go buy... Which is why I like silver. That's why silver is great. Yeah. And if you go... Because if you go buy uh, a silver ingot, that's going to be harder to spend. Like if you've just got to go... If you've got to go to a market and buy some some farm food... You know, that silver ingot's going to be harder to spend than that silver coin. And a gold ingot would be very hard to spend. So gold is like your really long-term savings that you're going to buy property with. You're going to buy big, big expenses with. And then silver is more of your spending. Yeah. Savings. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to take you up on your challenge this week, and I'm going to go. Yay! Do it. I'm going to go do it too. So I hope other people. I'm so do excited. It. I hope so too. And and email us at theoffgridoutpost at gmail dot com with your silver buying experience. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah, tell us how. So it goes. excited. Um, but just to wrap up, I say that the reality is, is that we just we don't know what's going to happen. Right. We really don't know. We can speculate that the dollar is going to crash. We can speculate that gold and silver is going to the moon. We can speculate that cryptocurrency is going to go haywire, but we honestly don't know. So your best bet is to diversify your cash now. Yeah, for sure. Spread it out against all ponies. Don't place your bets on just one. I mean, I, I feel pretty confident about gold and silver right now. I, I, I feel a larger portion is going to go to gold and silver, but it's not going to only gold and silver. I'm still going to hold dollars. 
Yeah. Because I don't know, and nobody knows. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. Well, I think we should wrap this one up. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel really good about it. Um, Stay tuned for more episodes in the future about counter economics. And I really want to delve into cryptocurrency because I'm a total cryptocurrency nerd. And I have my head wrapped around that mind, that space, like, really good. Yeah. So I feel I can explain it to people really well about the blockchain and and what cryptocurrency really is. So. Yeah. Yeah. I... I started looking at cryptocurrency, I don't know, 10 years ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Nine years ago or something like that. But I didn't get into yeah. it because it didn't have a usefulness to me. But now there's so many new things coming out in the crypto world where you can actually use your crypto to as to purchase stuff. You know, Yes, it's, when it's I, becoming more usable. And there's a new movement called decentralized finance or DeFi. Yeah. That I'm starting to delve into that I think is going to uh, revolutionize an alternative banking system that I'm pretty excited about. So, yeah, let's get it into just keeps some getting better and better in the space. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thanks for turning in this week. And uh, remember to share uh, this information with your friends and family and bookmark our podcast because we'll be uh, pumping them out. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one. Here's a little teaser for what's coming next week. Well, it's like a perfect storm is swirling. You know, and all the components are coming together and swirling into a massive conglomeration of this massive turd launching towards the fan, basically. Thanks for listening to the Off-Grid Outpost podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you can get all the new episodes. 